Thank you for watching, listening, tuning in, dialing into the Wheelhouse podcast. However you're doing so, it's lovely to have you along. Episode 12 is upon us. Catherine Bates is here. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. A little bit of I'm a pause. Here. Yeah. My mind is a flutter, Joel. It is, uh, I am thinking of all the nations, all the colours, the road races. Yeah. There's just there's the a lot going on. Rainbow. You can hear the cogs ticking over. Yeah. You are here though. You're not like I'm a digital here. version. I and you completely overlooked my little cog reference. Oh, look, I tried, oh, Joel. I can't match the I, pun machine. I was that you too are. busy to throw in all the colours of the rainbow <laughs> and we sort of spoke over each other because oh. we were so excited with our respective puns. But there, there was it. a slight satellite delay there. And, and that's yours. okay. That's okay. <laughs> There's yours back. It's all things Wollongong on episode 12. Before we get into that, can I just say I love celebrating milestones in history. 12 episodes is equivalent to the amount of Star Wars films that have been released. We've finally Ooh. done it. And I think it's worth mentioning because the same amount of production scope, scale and effort goes into a, a single episode of The Wheelhouse as does a Star Wars film. So I think we should give ourselves a little pat on the on the back, yes, the yes. Um, the the production team uh, has done an excellent job. Our executive producer Luke Mears dresses our studio beautifully, mm. but there is no Star Wars memorabilia in here. Yeah, which I'm quite pleased about, except that the tattoo that you have, the Star Wars tattoo, it's always it's always there. It's always uh, now, there. Now, <laughs> first ever mention of our executive producer's name on the show as well, which his is real a name. Milestone. I know. Wow, what a yes. reveal. But he's been a cracker. He has. So. He sure has. Speaking of crackers, uh, let's go to Wollongong. Now, cracking people. I want to just quickly focus on some of the brilliant Aussies that have come from the region. And yes. If we may get off the bike and into the stratosphere just quickly, what about Wollongong when it comes to producing in, inspiring Australians? I want to start I with... Uh, Emma McKeon, she's an ambassador for the World Championships. She is indeed. Five-time Olympic gold medalist. Uh, I think seven-time minor medalist, uh, which is a curious term, but we'll, we can talk about that another time. Yeah. I know. Uh, her father, brother and uncle are all Olympians as well. Uh, that in fact, the course goes past the McKeon Swim Centre. Oh, so wow. uh, if any of our international guests would like to, um, you know, work on their backstroke, butterfly, freestyle... Breaststroke, any of the any of the above, their yep. medley relay, uh, <laughs> the McKeons are ready to go. There'll be some handy help they will on, on hand. Now, Adam Demos, uh, he's a, an, an Aussie actor, a smouldering Aussie actor. He did a Netflix film. He's done a heap of series. He did a, next, a Netflix film called A Perfect Pairing where he gets his lid off. And I was, I had a part in that I, film I, too. What does that even mean? Gets his lid off. Shirt off. Oh, Sh shirt there off. you go. Removes the shirt. Oh, and you called him smouldering. <laughs> So collectively, I think all of our viewers are now Googling this fella. Yeah, the, the, the set, the world stopped. Oh. The set stopped. And I went and put a jumper on out of insecurity. <laughs> Can I just say John Jarrett is another one. Now, I just want to say for visitors to Wollongong, don't watch his most famous film before coming to Australia. Wolf Creek. No, I, I can attest to the horror uh, of that film. Look, very well done. And he's a fantastic actor. But yes. Yeah. I would stick with um, Googling the other fellow. What's his name? Adam, Adam someone. Right. <laughs> Smoldering. You've got to say it properly. Adam Demos. Adam now, Demos. Natalie Bassingthwaite, of course. Oh, the, yes. The great Natalie Bassingthwaite. And yes. speaking of tonsils. <laughs> I'm like, are we talking about Anthony Wallow here? We Just sure are. guessing. Bing, 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 bing. All right. Anthony Wallow is um, a singer. He He's a beautiful opera singer. He does Phantom of the Opera. Well, he does a lot of things, but that's where I love and adore him from. Phantom of the Opera, incidentally, Joel, was my warm-up track. 
So I just, you know what yes. I love? The links to Wollongong that you've mm. got the last few episodes of the Wheelhouse podcast. You've got so many intrinsic links to the South Coast and to Wollongong. I love that. Anthony Wallace sings Phantom of the Opera. You used to listen to it. It all just works. Yes, he's beautiful. And the other one, just before we move on from uh, Famous Faces of Wollongong, there's a segment in that, is Ando. Ando. Yes, he's one of our most fav- um, favourite and famous yeah. uh, refugee stories. Yep. He's such an inspirational guy. Uh, came out to Australia um, as a very small child. He's an artist. He's an actor. Yep. Uh, he's a children's book author. My kids love his books. He's painted Anamirs. We've got to get him on the show. Yes. Oh, Anamirs is portrait. Sorry. Oh, to clarify. Okay. I was going to say, we're going on the show to do some body Anna. paint for me. He okay. painted her portrait. Very well done. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good time to move us along now yeah. before I... Well, just yes. quickly, I think the course might be going near the Steelers Leagues Club as well. You know I'm a bit of a leaguey. Ando, one of his first films was League Legends, Footy Legends. So that's the loosest link I can find to talk about the great Rod Wishart, Steve Roach, oh. Paul McGregor, all products of... The, you're a big footy fan. You'd recognise... Oh, I am. Days, I I'm just... Sure. Further north yeah. than Wollongong, that's all. The media centre's actually in the Wynn Stadium. Oh, there you go. That's so, right, next to Steelers. So, Brett go. Lee, Shane Lee, the great Australian fast bowler. His brother Shane, also a great cricketer. Anyway, could go on. We are here <laughs> to talk about the men's and women's road race, the grand finale, the climax um, of the Wollongong Worlds. Now, before anything else, if, if, if you don't mind... Catherine Bates. Mm. See, I'm calling you Catherine when we're talking it's very formal. technical. Yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> UCI quirks. There's a list, a list of, of, of uh, what do you call them? Like equipment rules that mm. is, it, it strikes me as it's almost like a comedy, like a, a sketch. Well, I was going to say the, the list of quirky rules is as long as your socks, but actually <laughs> there's a limit on that too. And they will come out with a measuring tape. And measure the length of your socks. They will measure the uh, length of your socks. Because they're not allowed to be more than uh, half the length of your calf, uh, you know, tibia, fibula, from yep. the top of your shoe to yep. your knee. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So they will measure your leg length. Okay. And then where the socks fall on that. And you know what will else What else will get you in trouble? Black if, socks. If you're wearing black socks. Yeah. No black socks. Honestly, that... I mean, if you could hear an eye roll, you would have heard me just give a massive eye roll because that is the silliest rule. Why is it the why most is baseless it a rule? rule? I don't get it. I think it. it's just one of those old ones, um, you know, when it was a gentlemanly kind of sport, yes, before women were allowed, uh, that just hasn't been changed. I don't know. But they also weigh the bikes, Joel. So 6.8 kilos have to be more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that the basis for that is for uh, like equipment strengthen to stop research and development happening where they're just stripping off layers of carbon off the bikes and making them lighter, but perhaps they're not as strong. Oh, look, they, talk about quirky. You know. This next one gets me. This this is my favourite. Actually, actually, up there with the black socks, but scanning bikes for a motor yes. is, a, is a thing as well. It's a thing. Is, mm. a, is has there been a case in history where someone's rocked up like, <laughs> like sorry <laughs> on mate, their Harley? You, is that a Harley? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna climb Mount Kira on a Harley Davidson? Yeah, Not sure that's look, allowed. Incidentally, they didn't need a scanning machine for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could just do the old that eye check. That was a naked check. eye scan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's because we went through a period in the sport uh, where people were saying that motor doping was going to be the next big thing. Okay. It happened like pimping your ride. Pimp, yeah, yeah okay. totally pimp my ride yeah. with a battery. 
It happened in women's cyclocross. Okay. Um, it was a younger girl though, and it was actually her dad who put it in, and nobody really got to the bottom of whether she knew that it happened or not. It hasn't happened on the road in World Tour professional, but they talk about how it could happen, and so they're you know a step ahead. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's a bit odd, but you know. Imagine that. It's like you know Ghana, whoever wins the time trial. It was la- it later emerged yes. that he did it. On a Ducati. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. He was stripped well, of his medal. Better a Ducati than a Vespa. Let's fair, just, fair, yes. fair. Uh, now, let's let's move on. It's it's such a beautiful course that the intricacies, the technicalities of the course aside, I just want to take a moment to talk about the, the, the splendour. So, a Royal National Park start. Yeah, it is so beautiful, Joel. They're starting at uh, Helensburg, which is the edge of the Royal National Park, so the southern edge of it. And they go down to Bald Hill, uh, which is where they join the coast. Bald Hill uh, is also the the lookout where all of the paragliders depart from. Yeah, okay. and so it's always this grand sight. Uh, from there, you descend down into Wollongong. The view is absolutely magnificent. Uh, I have a feeling that a lot of the riders will, uh, even when they're training on the course, stop there and take. Uh, quite a lot of pictures, <laughs> uh, but even in the race, because yeah. it's very early on, and you know there won't really be uh, any action happening yeah, at sure. that point. Uh, it's kind of neutral through some of that as well, just because it's downhill um, at the very start. They will also be enjoying these beautiful views, and the helicopters will show us all of the beautiful beaches of the Royal National Park, including Gary, Gary, uh, which is another name that I think the international commentators. Uh, might get a little bit tongue twisted on. Look, God I'm knows. not going to say a single <laughs> thing about pronunciations. Well, but Gary Beach is hard hard to reach beauty, isn't it? It is. It really is. It's just beautiful. You have to drive into the national park um, and then walk down. So a lot of the beaches around there uh, are only accessible by foot. So yeah. it's a beautiful part of the world. Now I chuckled no before because you said. They'll, they'll stop and take a photo, but then you said during training. <laughs> during I, I, I legitimately thought you meant, okay, we're off and racing. And Pocket Charles, no. just take it a second to get out the iPhone. And, okay, that's not going to happen, but it might. No. It well, might. they're not allowed phones, uh, well, we'll incidentally. Look, they're not allowed black socks either. So This is true. <laughs> now, you mentioned another term that appeals to me as an amateur uh, enthusiastic Ooh. cyclist. Cyclist. Downhill, uh, uh, one of my favourite terms. <laughs> now, the fir- almost the first 40 Ks, Kate Bates. It is, yes. They So they depart from Helensburg. They head to beautiful uh, Bald Hill. They descend down and then they go over the beautiful Sea Cliff Bridge, Joel, which is man-made. They used to, the road used to go along the cliff and now they've extended it out uh, over the ocean because the cliff needed some fortifying. It is magnificent. It yeah. is so beautiful. Just to ride over it is magnificent. To drive over it, I think probably 90% of the world's uh, car ads are filmed. You know, like the (laughs) amount of... They've probably made their money back on the $95 million it costs to build it just based on cars doing commercials along there with drones and helicopters and whatnot. It's a gorgeous It's magnificent. So that's going to be really beautiful as well. And get some pace up. Get some pace up. And then they go... uh, When they get a bit further south, Joel, they're going through... Uh, kind of Bulai territory, the bottom of Bulai Pass. And I believe that the local lifesavers are going to line the roads uh, through there in a very organised fashion to kind of give a guard of honour to the athletes coming through Brilliant. for the men and the women's yep. uh, road race, which is so cool. It's oh, it's really amazing. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope well, Emma McKean will be among, maybe John Jarrett, maybe even Rod Wishart well, if we're lucky. And I think what it's to do is to make them feel welcome and comfortable because... Yep. 
then they've got to hit Winuna and the Magpies. And goodbye. And so it's goodbye kind of safety. softening them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the Magpies mm. uh, among the many quirks. Now, that's one thing that there's no, there's zero control, I guess, to an extent over what may may not happen with the the swooping devil mm. birds. Now, this is we, we, devil we birds. I think that's fair. This, <laughs> I think on episode, I don't know, a few, a, a little, then. a while ago, that it could it could cause quite a bit of disruption. It could. It, it's a, it's a thing. Like it, a lot of people have been talking about it, and is there some danger there? It's such a well known hotspot. Yeah, uh, for them and. They're unpredictable. They're, they are no one's spirit animal. I you know, no one's. No I don't ones. know. I've never been swooped in a bunch. Okay. And so, so basically, you're saying don't don't break away in the yeah. in the road race. Just <laughs> that is what I'm saying. Up. Okay. The early break is not safe. Don't is do what it. I am don't saying. Do yep. <laughs> okay. The other thing that's not the only threat from the skies, uh, and a, bit, a little bit of rain predicted as well. It is predicted. Yes, Wollongong. I mean, it brings the weather. Um, as soon as the weather comes in, the weather goes out too. Yep. So it may be showers, but at this stage, uh, the weatherman is saying that there will be rain for both the women's and the men's road races, uh, which is going to be a very big factor because they'll go around Mount Kira, uh, which is about a seven and a half kilometre climb and a bit of a hairy descent. They'll have to be very cautious there. Uh, then when they head onto the city circuit, it's 17.1k around. But when they get to the top of Mount Pleasant, it is an incredibly fast and technical descent. The kind of descent where there will be hay bales left, right and centre uh, in case people do wash out so that they're not hitting uh, any kind of road furniture. Mm-hmm. It'll be a completely different landscape. Uh, if the roads are wet. So even if there's showers and the roads are wet and it's not falling. And it's also good to remember when you're considering the weather, Joel, that often light showers is far more treacherous than rain. Yeah. Light showers just make the roads really slippery. Bit of a slick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and those corners on the city circuit, they're going to have a huge impact on the race and the final of the race, I think. So it it could change the result like... Massively, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not just change the result because you will have some crashes, definitely. But there will be some riders who are not comfortable to go down there and match the speed of people they're in in the group with. Uh, So they may then choose to attack at different points to be able to have a bit more comfort and a bit more break uh, before they go down it. It may just slow the entire bunch down. There's a lot of different factors because the different skilled riders will approach it slightly differently. And we'll talk about the riders uh, in a little bit, but you can imagine that riders like Julian Alaphilippe, who's coming back from an injury, will he be, only a couple of weeks ago, dislocated his shoulder, Mm. will he be super confident descending on a technical descent in the rain? Is his shoulder okay? So, you know, I think that every single rider will have to come up with their own strategy for how to deal with that. It's amazing how so many months of, of planning and prep can sort of essentially go, go by the wayside. A little bit just get, <laughs> yes. just be washed away. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I feel like we should yep. we should campaign for a magpie raid siren and a rain raid siren, um, just so the riders have a little bit of a heads up. Just a <laughs> or maybe a <laughs> well, like, there's there's a lot of military uh, kind of history in in the Gong area. Um, a lot of installments 
And so I think that could be a little bit confusing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's not <laughs> <laughs> open up old. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Now I want to just continue quickly on course quirks because mm. in 2010, I'm wrapping my head around this. So forgive me if I pitch it um, woefully, but a long lead in to city laps basically caused a, a bit of an issue in Geelong, this course presents a bit of a similar risk. It did. It was an issue because they started uh, on the outskirts of Melbourne and proceeded down along the highway before they got to the city circuit in Geelong. Now, an early break went and the bunch were so comfortable with who was in the break that they did let it go a fair distance in front. It was around the 12 to 13 minute mark uh, when they started getting concerned because once they hit that city circuit, if they're more than... 20 minutes ahead, I think it was uh, in 2010, the bunch would have to be pulled out because they would be a lap behind. Sure. Uh, and so at the time it was communicated with the bunch, this is the situation and they had to get a bit of a hurry on. So they didn't pull it all the way back before they got to Geelong, but they certainly did uh, start increasing their tempo and putting a bit more of a dent in the chase than they were planning to do for that now, we've got a similar thing here because they come down uh, from Helensburg. They then go around the Mount Kira Loop, which is about 34 kilometres. Yep. They then go onto the city circuit. It's They're doing 12 laps, 17.1 kilometres a lap. It is very foreseeable that if a break gets too far out uh, in front on that early, that the bunch will have to uh, really rein it in before they get back on that city circuit. How interesting. Mm. Isn't that a fascinating... I'm almost ready to say lucky. Lucky we have the magpies patrolling <laughs> the skies. And <laughs> yes, to keep Grupo Compato. Keep is it running. Yeah. Saying? yeah, exactly. Well, it is, and that is a really defining feature of a world championship course too is that they do have a, the, the predominance of it yeah. is city circuits. Yeah, yeah, sure. And that's for the fans. It's just to make it a different flavour race than anything else in the season. So you yeah. really have nothing else like that. And that's the whole purpose um, of this kind of course design. Okay, amazing. Cool. Yeah. On the uh, Wheelhouse podcast, uh, my name's Joel Spreberg with Catherine Bates. Now, no radios is another one that, that intrigues me among the quirks before we move on. Once you're mm. done, once you get uh, get on that, that downhill and it's just you, it's the magpies, you. the rain. And your mates. And, and your, your mates. Team, in your team colours. Yeah. Norm- and thousands of screaming <laughs> fans. But, yeah. but other than that, you're on your own. Well, the athletes are used to racing in their... World Tour teams, the women and the men, and with radios. Uh, Here, they're racing for their national team, so it's a very different group of athletes uh, that are racing together, and they don't have any radios, so they really rely on each other for the leadership and the guidance. They'll have a very firm strategy heading out there, but then once they're out there, the team director is really just sitting there, you know, driving behind, giving water bottles or waiting for... um, anybody who might need a mechanical because they can't yeah. give any instructions uh, live to the athletes like they normally can I love in that. any kind of race. But it, it, it's interesting. Cadell Evans said uh, when we chatted last week about it all that this could really come into play for teams like Belgium where there's maybe a little bit of ego and politics uh, that come into it. And once they're out there, they're making their own decisions and yeah. they need to work together. And if they don't... Uh, it, they become very vulnerable. No matter how good they are, their yep. strategy becomes very vulnerable 
uh, if they're not really united as a team. We've spoken before about teams, uh, riders, individual riders needing to sort of shift their focus and be either more for themselves, more for the riders. And one theme that emerged uh, on a common basis was how good Aussies are at doing that. So is that another you know, little, little green gold? Little, it little, is. Well, you know, you know in the women's, uh, we've got Amanda Spratt leading the team. And her Sorry, who? Sorry? <laughs> yeah, Spratty Blue Shoes. Thank you. Yeah, yes. cool. Her first World Championships was in Geelong yeah. uh, back in 2010. It's 2022. That's a lot of World Championships in between. Yeah. And she is the most experienced. She's just so good out on the bike, keeping everybody calm. Uh, so they will do the strategy bef- beforehand, but they know when they go out there that under the leadership of Spratty Blue Shoes <laughs> – Everybody will be able to feel very comfortable about what their role is yep. and just go ahead and execute, almost take the emotion out of it and the gravitas of what is a home world championships and just get on with the job. Beautifully said. Swoop on the opportunity. <laughs> Unlike, yes. Yeah. Okay. On the Wheelhouse podcast. Now let's, let's talk about a few of the headline acts, but if, if we, before we do, I just, I want to ask a question because it's been an interesting build up to say the the very, very least we've had selection headaches left right and center uh we've had world tour teams basically not wanting to 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 get out you know fall out of the top tier of racing and 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 being reluctant to release riders big names we've also had coaches struggling in the selection process with funding increased costs of travel all that kind of thing what i'm getting at here is 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 the product diminished in any way by this build-up i i think it's been interesting to talk about uh, and if you look historically there's always these little quirks to talk about it's like every September in Sydney people say oh it's never been this windy before every September yeah. so I think every world you have this similar kind of conjecture in the lead-in but come race day we've got the most magnificent field uh, you know in the time trials we saw the reigning world championships um, arrive on the shores for the road races similar story we've got the reigning world championships um, champions, pardon me, who are lining up and ready to go. And we have a deep, talented field mm-hmm. uh, for men and women. So I don't think you can ever uh, get every single high-profile rider. And part of that is because they're different courses. It's not like athletics where an 800-meter is an 800-meter. Yeah, This course is very specific to some riders and really not specific to others. Caleb Ewan is a really great example um, of who fell by the wayside yeah. because of that. Uh, and so the people who are here, whew, it's going to be a cracker. It's going to be a cracker. And yeah. still, I get disproportionately strong... excited about uh, the road races, Joel, i got to say. It's, it's been on your mind. You, yeah, you, you, it's you, like you. an adrenaline rush even thinking about it. It yeah. takes me back. I, was my, I did a couple of uh, road races at the World Championships. Yeah. Not my not my best days on the bike. Okay. I could say that. Okay. Um, I performed better at the track worlds. Yeah. Uh, definitely. But I still like it's such a special moment to line up on the start line. Yeah. For every athlete, regardless of where you are. Yeah. Like we've a lot of chat about Caleb, of course, not being there. But what a team! What yeah. A team what a team! I mean, like, the the Aussies just have an absolutely ripping team, men and women, and uh, I think everybody will take this moment with them for the rest of their careers, regardless. Um, of an outcome, but thankfully, uh, the men and women are both in very good stead to have a good outcome. So yep. even better. Uh, look, well said. Now let's get into some of the contenders because le- uh, you know we'll we'll talk about. I want to call it. I'd say contenders. That's a bit there. 
Kate Bates mates. Let's go through Kate Bates mate. Kate Bates's mates list. So we're going to start mm-hmm. with the women, uh, ladies first. Now, of the Australian team of Baker, Brown, Chapman, Manly, Roy, Blue Shoes, and Talbot, you've you've gone with Grace Brown as your first pick uh, in the women's list. Now, I love it. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but like, explain why why is she uh, one of Australia's main hopes on the roads? I know it's close to where she grew up and all of that, but why else? Well, 164.3K for the women, and that's quite a long road race. Um, Grace Brown has been in exceptionally good form. She won a stage of the Women's Welter uh, in late, oh, early September, uh, so she's clearly on form. She's also spent a lot of time reconning the course, and she's really built her season very specifically around the World Championships. Uh, she's had some big victories in the classics, in the one-day races. No question she's a one-day specialist. But also because of where she is on her development journey, every time gets better. And so I think that for a lot of uh, international, she'd be on their radar, but maybe a bit of a smoky because she doesn't have a huge amount of wins um, to her name. She's got a lot of top threes, top fives. Okay. Uh, but I have a lot of faith in her rising to the gravity um, of a home world championships. So okay. is she Australia's main hope in men and women just quickly? Or? Well, I think, I think in the men, Michael Matthews probably goes in. Okay. Um, a bit higher. Oh, well on, on level footing, I would say, okay. but it's unlike the time trial, the road race is a bit more variable. So even the favorites, um, often don't win actually. Yeah. And so I think that that goes in Grace's favor, that she's one of the people that people are watching. Uh, but some of the other riders that will go through are probably more favoured. Hmm. Okay, like the Melbourne Cup, never back the favourite. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a betting person, so I don't know uh, the odds, but I do know that Yvonne Vlotens, for example, she's the one that everybody will be looking to. Well, yeah, never back a favourite unless it's Van Vlotens. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, she let's kind move of breaks that, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, the Dutch Trident, I love, I just, I, I love it so much. Part of the Dutch Trident, an important part of it, uh, Vos, Vollering, Van Vloten. So she's got to be the standout name mm. over 100, <laughs> <laughs> over 164 Ks, just under two and a half uh, Ks of elevation. Why, why is, why she is did it hers the, to she lose? She did the cripple, triple crown. It's That's not actually a thing, but she won the three women's mm-hmm. uh, major tours this year, mm-hmm. the women's Giro, the women's Tour de France, and most recently the women's Vuelta. There's no doubt that she's the dominant climber and performer in the women's field this year. Is the course tough enough uh, for her to be so dominant? I don't think so. I also think that the the descent, in particular off Mount Pleasant, um, will be less than pleasant. So I think there's a bit of irony in, in uh, what that's going to be. I like for what her. you did there. Thank Very you. Good, yeah. uh, and they also go through the delightfully named Fairy Meadow. So, you know, it sounds all very magical. I don't think that'll be the experience of the riders. So she goes in as the hot favourite, but I do think that there are some very specific challenges uh, for her very dominant skill set. Mm hmm maybe aren't as relevant for some of the other riders. And his hot favourite, yep. she'll scratch her nose and people will follow her. So it's I not easy going in his favourite. <laughs> she'll what scratch her nose and people will become intimidated. Oh. 
Everything well, she too. does is just, yeah. <laughs> and also on the cusp of uh, 40, life begins, coming into the peak. Yeah, a couple prime. of weeks away from it. Yeah, yeah. So what a way yeah. to celebrate. You're not that. there yet, Joel, but uh, I can no. tell you it's it's a wonderful feeling. A special time. It is. A special time. <laughs> now, moving on, uh, Kate, Kate Bates' mates. Now, your mate, Mariana Voss. The now, goat. Whew, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me bleat again like I I did Please. on a previous episode. Um, Mariana Voss <laughs> is just the most dominant uh, rider in history. Female, male, um, 13 world titles across yep. all disciplines. She is exceptional. This is a very good course for her. Very dynamic and brilliant course. We do need to consider how strong the Dutch team is overall. Mm-hmm. Who will they be riding for? Uh, they've got a good history uh, in a bad way of stuffing it up. So even though they've won so many world titles in the last uh, five, you know, six years, prior to that, they very often had the favourite on the start line, but they didn't work together. They kind of worked against each other um, and it all went, you know, a little bit... Belly up. Belly up. Thank you. I was trying to to get my mind away (laughs) from a less favourable term. (laughs) And, uh, but this this course is perfect for Mariana Voss. She's been in exceptionally good form this season. We saw that at the Women's Tour de France and uh, then up in Scandinavia, she was dominant again. So she'll be, in my mind, she's not too far off retirement and I think that uh, a course like this, she won't let that opportunity go. We led with Grace and we Mm. love Grace, but do we need, does something need to go wrong for the likes of Voss and Van Vloten for... You know. No, I just think that a world championship, everything, something goes wrong for everybody for all the time. Okay. You know, the chances of things going wrong are pretty high. And sure. that's kind of the beauty of it as well. Okay. Mm. Okay. Now, we haven't got to the defending champion, Elisa Balsamo and Kate Bates' mates. Controversially, we're not going there. to. No. I've gone with Longo Borghini. Yeah, okay. Elisa, yeah. she's... Uh, why? <laughs> she's been, look, I know she's Why? been in scintillating form <laughs> of late. Uh, is that is that yes. your based on well, recent form? Balsamo has also been in great form. Uh, but I think on this kind of course, it will require a certain uh, resilience and toughness um, on the not-so-pleasant Mount Pleasant. They go up there six times, the women. And uh, Longo Borghini, she won the women's uh, Paris-Roubaix this year. Resplendent uh, in her national champions, colours at the time, I might add, it's just a really, really good course for her. I have a feeling that the Italians uh, will go, will put their money on her okay. rather than Balsamo. Uh, Balsamo will likely be a second bet. Um, you know, look after her, see what it comes down to. But if the race goes as we're planning to suit a Van Vloten or a Voss, it's going to be a pretty aggressive and pretty tough race, especially up. Uh, that climb on the circuits, and that's where Longo Borghini will really come into her four. Okay, mm. okay, the battle of the Italian goats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's a Dutch goat, and an, oh yes, I suppose there's a couple of Italian goats too. It's just goats everywhere. Yeah. It's a, not a bad <laughs> prospect. Uh, now, <laughs> Liana Lippert. Now the the German. Now I, I'm interested in in this because she's. Well, you'll you, you'll correct me or, or or go with me here, but <laughs> Movi Star's heir apparent to your mate. It's two of your mates involved here. So your mate Lippert is the Movi Star heir apparent to your mate AVV, which must mm. be te- tear you in different directions. <laughs> but aside from all of that, I don't 
know if I'd. Uh, it might be a bit of an oversell. Okay. Uh, although I, you know, I put her in our favourites for worlds, so clearly I think that she's a very talented rider. The young German, she. Uh, the, the best victory that I have seen was at the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race a couple of years ago. Uh, and she was just sensational. She's young. She's got a really great attitude. She's very bike savvy about um, the way that she goes through a bunch. It's, it's like she sees it all in slow motion and can find her way from the back to the front in the most efficient way. And I just really like her riding style. And again, these quite young riders, sometimes a little bit of talent just turns into world champion. And that's what we saw with Balsamo last year. Nobody expected her uh, to be world champion. Yeah, She was in great form, but she didn't really have the track record necessarily. Okay. And I think that's where I put Lippet. So she's a bit of a smoky, but I think she deserves a mention. Okay. Well, nice one. Yeah. Nice one. Kate Bates, mates, it's a tough list to make. <laughs> it's a very tough list to make. So let's see. Let's let's move on. Your final uh, female entrant, uh, Lottie Kopecky. So the Belgian... Um, she was she was the Belgian talent of the year in 2017, which is no no small feat. Let's no, be honest. Given when you're looking their at Belgium, yeah, a, immense uh, depth of talent over there. Uh, she's been uh, Belgian. I nearly said Dutch. That would be that's Ooh. like calling an Aussie a Kiwi. <laughs> Heavens, sorry. Uh, Kapeki was the Belgian national road champion, but she's also been exceptionally successful on the track. She's been yep. world champion on the track. She's got a great. Uh, turn of speed on her but as she develops and gets older she's turning more into a classics rider than simply a sprinter so okay. earlier in her career if she could get to the finish she was in a great position to win uh, but as she gets older she's getting uh, stronger and more powerful for the longer races the the classics like Flanders or Roubaix is where we really are looking to her to shine in the next couple of years she already has yeah. uh, but even more so and, and I think again this course because it's pretty tough It'll be the edge of her limitations, but if she can look after herself and get over Mount Pleasant with that front group, I wouldn't want to take her to the finish. Okay. So I okay. think it's I think she could be in for a good one. I've asked you this before, mm. but I just you, you keep dropping little nuggets saying I wouldn't want to take her. Come no. Back? Come back. No? <laughs> no, I preempted that. No. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, now let's move move along on the Wheelhouse Podcast. My name's Joel Sprebro, joined by Kate Bates, uh, going through all things Wollongong World Championships, road races. Kate Bates mates uh, is another name for contenders, but they're all <laughs> Kate Bates mates. So let's stay with Kate Bates mates and have a look at the male field. Now we'll open up with a great Australian, a thirteen-time GT stage winner. Um, had a good result in Quebec recently, Michael Matthews. Yes, and, and this this suits him. This this course, this terrain, is is a sprinter who can climb. Not bad. Not for bad. Him. Well, th look, this is almost perfect for the stage fourteen uh, comparison at the Tour de France mm -hmm. in twenty twenty two that he won, which was a beautiful victory. Uh, gave him a lot of faith. He'd been in the wilderness a little bit, a uh, few years between drinks in terms of victories. He's back. Yeah. He's back. He's yep. got a lot of faith. And uh, the Australian team have very much picked a team for him to be successful uh, against the likes of taking a backup like Caleb Ewan. Yep. Uh, so in many ways, I think we can surmise that Michael Matthews will be very well looked after. Mm -hmm. But he does need to survive because they do 12 laps around uh, the Mount Pleasant circuit. So it's 269 um, seven kilometers mm -hmm. it's a long race it's it a, is a, a long day in the saddle uh the the early 
part of Mount Kira will be quite incidental for the men because it's such a long race. But those ending city circuits will be a very big deal. It's about a two and a half minute effort uh, going up Mount Pleasant 12 times. So it's very different character to a five minute climb. So Michael Matthews does have the physiology to do it. It'll be a tough day for him, uh, but he has been on the podium uh, at the World Championships before. He won the under-23 category at the last Australian Road World yeah. Championships. So, yeah, is that an omen? I don't know. There's but a great, I I'll put the all symmetry. the eggs in his basket, I reckon. It's fantastic symmetry, mm. 12 years on. The 23s to the elite men. I know, there's some what poetry a, in that, Let's isn't complete there? the set. Let's <laughs> complete the set. One guy that will be standing in his way is... Uh, I've, I, you know, I love a nickname, future king of Slovenia. I've said it before. I'll say it again, uh, Pogacar. Now, you had a little bit of reservation about uh, Pog's time trial prospects. Does this extend to Pog on the road? I think very different situations. So my reservation in the time trial was more uh, about how, how good he is in Grand Tour time trials, but a bit untested in individual ones. Uh, he is in scintillating form. He out-sprinted uh, Wout Van Aert in Quebec uh, for the Grand Prix uh, Montreal before he came here. He used that to sharpen his legs to out-sprint uh, Van Aert in yeah. a three-man group. Yep. Um, either Van Aert's stuffed up or Pogacar is on such incredible form. I'm going to go with the latter. What a duel, yeah. He is ab- – there is no question he's hunting – uh, the rainbows. Bit of disappointment for him coming second at the Tour de France this year. I yep. think he went in thinking uh, the hat trick was his um, to take. It didn't quite happen, and he's a pretty motivated young man. Yeah, well, yeah. he came up against the fisherman, and uh, whew, good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> uh, but, but again, look, this is a great course for him. So I, I would put the biggest target on his back. Okay, mm. okay, and four thousand meters of climbing, not not a. Not really an issue. Yeah, It'll look, an it's a lot of climbing. I mean, he's obviously a great climber, but this goes back to what Cadell Evans said about uh, the course and being harder on paper potentially uh, than it is. So if they race hard, the harder they race, the better it is okay. uh, for the pog. Okay, well, moving on. So your mate. <laughs> <They're> uh, all, <laughs> we're just sticking with that, aren't we? <laughs> Kate Bates' mates. This is the big one, though. This is the big one. Am I correct in saying... The biggest of the big. Yeah, I'm seeking an autograph. Yeah, your mate Wout. Now, he's been busy. He's been cheering juniors this week, which is such a cool thing, by the way. Yeah, there was a really cool uh, little video of him cheering on the uh, junior nationals as they went by. I was surprised. They were waving at him. I was surprised nobody pulled over for um, said autograph, but maybe they did out of shot. Now, he goes in um, as one of the roaring favourites. He Mm -hmm. was second... uh, last year but he also he was silver in the olympics behind carapaz carapaz got away he's four-time cyclocross world champion this is relevant to me even more than all of his tour de france stage victories of which he's amassed nine so far and a green jersey from this year as you do but his four cyclocross victories he's got excellent skills so we were talking about the course, how technical it is, how much the rain could come into play, 12 descents down Mount Pleasant. That is his opportunity uh, to really shine. Yeah, so yeah. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for uh, if coming into those final laps, there's still quite a group together. That's where I think he can make a massive impact. 
this as as a mate of yours. Um, well, it's it's a lot of trolling <laughs> recently about his clutch gene, uh, which I thought was a bit ridiculous. Mm. Um, what do you, where do you stand on that? Just quickly, like in in an, with an opportunity such as this, does that get in the way? That big moments criticism that's come his oh, way? I don't think so. I mean, we need to look back to his victory on the Champs-Élysées at the 2021 Tour de France ahead of Mark Cavendish, who yep. was seeking the, you know, 35 stages and the ultimate record of stage wins there. Yep. He performs in very big moments. He doesn't perform in some other moments, but perhaps we could consider that any other rider wouldn't even be there in all of the moments um, and specifically, people are looking at his sprinting statistics from small groups and saying, oh, he's not performing when maybe he should. But a lesser rider wouldn't even be there at the finish in that small group. Okay. He's there all the time. He's, he's always there. He's put himself in the position. Yeah. Uh, and often I think he's at his absolute limit to even be there. So versatile across different courses. But I guess we'll see how that plays out. Okay, okay. And, and and a score to settle with Pog, of course, of yes, Montreal. So yes. now we always talk about your mates. So I'm going to take a moment to talk about my mate now because this is mm. one of my favourites, uh, Lulu. Um, mm. Julian Alaphilippe. Now, defending champion, twice defending champion, but he's had a pretty horrible year, uh, culminating, of course, in a, a bit of a busted shoulder in stage mm. 11 in Spain. Uh, he, he's, he's working hard. He has been working hard to be there and do what he can, but... Uh, He's on, list. He's on your list. Yeah, he's won the last two world championships. Yeah. He's been a bit hit with the curse of the rainbow this year. He's had a terrible one. He was out most of the season and then he came back in the Vuelta, uh, dislocated his shoulder halfway through. But he's here and he's ready. Yep. So, you know, I, I do question whether uh, if it is raining and on that technical course, if he may have some trouble or some hesitation, hesitation. more than trouble yeah. uh, on the descent. We, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, he might not even know until the day. He's running it pretty close with that kind of injury um, to be race ready. So, of course, don't write him off. Mm. I mean, he's got so much panache, Yeah, honestly. But g doing a hat trick would be pretty phenomenal for any rider. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think he's in the best position to achieve that. But, yeah, we'll see how he goes. We'll see. Maybe relegated to, if, if he can't compete to where he wants to be, a, a, a team role or something mm. like that. It's still a formidable, you know. Yeah, Christophe asset. Laporte is here for the French as well, and, and yeah. he's in good form, and he'd definitely be uh, on the list of one to, ones to watch. Okay. Now, another mate of yours, uh, Kate Bates' mates, we're, we're mm -hmm. Netherlands' favourite son, Mathieu van der Poel. Now, the grandson of Poupou, of course. <laughs> I, I'm looking for, this guy's a rock star. Um, he wants, they want to go big. They want to go big. Netherlands want to go big. This guy's leading the way for them. And, and aside from everything else, just have him here. Like, <laughs> I know. He's it's like Elton John back in <laughs> Wollongong. <laughs> he's cool. And what I really like about, uh, Vanderpool is n not just his racing style, but also his vulnerabilities. He's had a lot of fails. He's had a lot of wins, but he's had a lot of quite public fails as well. Uh, including the Olympics where he did. Uh, he chose to do the mountain bike. Uh, epic fail. Okay. Um, he went A over T, stacked it. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible. And he owned that too. And I like that because yeah. some of them we have to start picking like Van Art. You have to start picking on little statistics to yeah, find yeah. weakness in him. Vanderpool, he's the perfect. Uh, he, he gives you all the material you need yeah, to be critical of him. Yeah. yeah. But he keeps bouncing back. He said that. He's struggled with a back injury that has plagued him a bit this season, but he's worked pretty hard on it. 
He's here on a mission and he's he's stated, I want to win the rainbows. I love that confidence and I love that intent because regardless of what happens, again, he's shown the vulnerability to be criticised if he doesn't do it. Okay. I like that. I like that he's not afraid to put it out there yeah. um, and show his intentions. So he, he's done some remarkable things. He's, again, four-time cyclocross world champion. So incredible skills. The descent will be his to own, yeah. but he will... Even more than Van Aert, he will have to conserve energy and the Dutch team will have to really look after him uh, to make sure that in the back end of what is a very long race, mm. nearly 270 kilometres, that he's still got the legs. Well, they'd want to look after him because otherwise don't bother returning home. I know. You know don't even bother. I know. He's no, the, no, the they'll treasure. have to go in the hold yeah. on the flyback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one final mention uh, on the Wheelhouse Podcast Men's Road Race. So, Biniam Gourmet, I like to call him the Eritrean Rocket. Yes. Um, oh, I like that. Thank you. I think um, if we can find him in the mix zone, uh, Joel, pre-race, you can pitch, yeah, it, pitch to it to him. him. He's in really good form. Uh, he was he, he was tremendous at this year's Giro, but most recently he uh, also prepared in Montreal where we saw Van Aert and Podge also doing their thing. Uh, and he was third in the GP Quebec, so we know that his form is coming along quite well. I just think the young African is kind of a, a bit of an unknown because sure. he's just burst onto the scene, but he's become so popular and uh, he's just doing such incredibly inspiring things for African cycling uh, as well. And he'll come to Australia as a bit of a rock star. A bit of a rocket star. Yeah, a bit the of Eritrean a rocket, rocket star. star. Okay. I would love to see him do well. Okay. I'd really love to see him do well. And he'll be a little bit uh, harder to notice in his Eritrean kit actually versus the very... Uh, bright, wanty go bear. Yeah, sure. Uh, but he'll be a fan favourite, and I yep. think if he's on a good day, he'll be there at the finish. If he's there at the finish, some days are absolute rippers, some days are less. Mm -hmm. uh, but if he's on one of the ripper days, definitely on the podium, um, if not a potential smoky for the rainbows. She's going to be a packed podium. Oof. Be, can we extend <laughs> I the know, podium? At this rate, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be a 50-strong podium. Yeah, uh, they'll be uh, elbowing each other out of the way. Yeah, I love it, though. Uh, the Kate Bates mates list for the men and women. I'm just going to quickly Thanks break it down. Like so that. we'll go women first, then men. Final pick. One, two, three. Van Vloten. One, oh, two, three. I don't know that I meant that. Voss, can I do oh, that? No! Oh, oh, all right, sorry. Place. That's all right. One, two, three. Podge. Podge, okay, Podge is going to do it, all right. Yeah. How exciting. How is exciting. I'm going to give exciting. a quick special mention to Cecily, uh, the pride of Denmark. Yes. What a, if I may, just yes. a quick mention, what a year, what a year. You just never know. You just never know. And I think the world, cycling fans of the world over will be very, very, very happy. Well, Cecily, no matter what happens, will win interview of the championships. <laughs> a friend of the wheelhouse. <laughs> yes. Well, she'll become a friend. I mean, come yeah, on now. I love it. I love it. Uh, good luck to all the riders. It's going to be very exciting. And for anybody actually traveling to Wollongong, uh, remember the wheelhouse uh, is doing a live episode um, after the women's road race. Uh, so check all of our social media um, our YouTube, our Instagram, our Twitter for all of the details on where you can find us. But, Joel, that's going to be very fun to unpack all the details um, of what happens there. Come and say good day. Yes. Yeah, love it. Joel's not nearly as scary as he seems. <laughs> this is the Wheelhouse Podcast. I'm Joel Spreadborough. Lovely to have your company, uh, Catherine Bates. Very formal. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. See you next time. The Wheelhouse is produced by River City Studios for Listener. Executive produced by Luke Mears and the mysterious Merxie. It's written and hosted by Kate Bates and me, Joel Spreadbuck.